0: Let's jump into Luke 24 here this morning. You have your Bibles with you. Analog, digital. If you got a phone with you, then just open your browser and search Luke 24. I'm in the New King James Version. I like that, but uh, read whatever you want. Title of my message is, He is Risen. And we realize that The big surprise on that Sunday morning was that Jesus had risen. Did you know that? That was the shocking surprise. The disciples, even though Jesus said he was going to rise, it didn't really sink in. He said, We're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over to sinful men. I'm going to be killed. And three days I will rise again. He said all of that multiple times. I'm a little bit comforted by the fact that the disciples who were standing right there didn't hear it. Because I don't always hear everything that Jesus says. How many times have you read something in the Bible and some time... You read it again and you're going, wait, I never saw that before. Has it ever happened to you? Not that you're letting on, but I know. I've read the Bible and suddenly go, wait, I never saw that. And so we kind of have these moments of discovery and further revelation. And I pray that this morning is that for you. The simplicity of realizing fully that Jesus died for your sins and is risen again. Because you see, if he didn't rise, then the cross doesn't mean anything. You know that? It doesn't mean anything. Other than a man was falsely accused and executed. That's all it means. So let's read. I'm going to read Luke 24, 1 through 12. Luke writes, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices, which they had prepared. Now, why did they prepare spices? Because they thought the body would still be there, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body, of the Lord Jesus and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behold stu- two men stood by them in shining garments then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth they said to them why do you seek the living among the dead he is not here but is risen remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Do you get that? It was the women who came to the tomb. And went and told the apostles, these macho men, what happened. They probably mansplained it to them. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. They did not believe them. Verse 12 But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. What's fascinating to me about the events of the resurrection is that historians have studied the details, the historical records, which have been recorded by non-believers, by non-Christians and non-Jews. We would look at the resurrection like any other historical event to see if it actually happened. What's interesting to me is that, in spite of the evidence, there are always critics who want to say it didn't really happen. And there's something that happens when somebody is willing to reject truth, they are literally willing to believe anything in order to avoid the truth. People are willing to believe anything. That is irrational and crazy. I was in England once on a missions trip. Witnessing to a young man in a university. Telling him about the records of Genesis that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That God created man and created man for relationship with him. He goes, oh, I don't believe all that stuff. I don't literally believe the Bible. And I said, okay, t- why don't you tell me what you believe? And with a straight face, he said to me, well, I believe that aliens planted humanity here. I looked at him and I said, really? Really? That's a better theory than what the Bible says. He laughed. He realized how ridiculous that was to reject the Bible and then give me some crazy alien theory. This smart young man at an English university rejected what we already know to be true for a crazy alien theory. When even to hear himself say it, he laughed. At how silly that was. If Jesus didn't literally, literally rise from the dead. Then why are we here? And why does it matter? Now, atheists and critics say, well, it doesn't matter if he really rose from the dead. It's really just the symbolism of it. And it is the what we find in nature, new life springing up from the ground and plants coming up. But do you know that the principles of resurrection are literally found in nature? A seed falls to the ground and dies. And from that seed springs forth a new life. A new body, which was coded in that seed. Did you know that? That is resurrection. And while we're working so hard to say it doesn't happen, we count on it for every spring, the suns peaks out one time, and my wife says, we're going to the nursery." Yeah. <laughs> Amen. She's sitting over here. I'm going. I, I've learned not to argue with her. I'm going, "You know, it's not really spring yet. that's the fake sunshine. I don't care. We're going to buy some plants. So we've managed to delay that by a couple of weeks over the years after our years of marriage. But we love spring. And the fact that Jesus was risen in April was not a coincidence. To show us the very principle of death and resurrection is right there all around us. So it doesn't, it doesn't work to try and deny the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, that's Adam, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. God created man, us. People, mankind, for relationship with himself. We think, why did God create man? John tells us that God is love. Why do you have children? Why did you have kids? Because you love them and wanted to boss them around. No, you love them and wanted relationship with them. And here's the thing. You even had foreknowledge that they weren't going to cooperate with you. And God knew ahead of time that you would be a lot of trouble. Nobody said amen. (laughs) God knew what I would be like, and yet he made me anyway. And God, from the beginning, had a plan to restore man to himself through a mediator. The New Testament tells us that Jesus Christ is the mediator, one who would be both God and man who could bring the two together. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Now the the payment for sin, the power of the grave were paid for and broken at the cross. But it's in the resurrection That verifies all the claims of Jesus. Because many crazies have made the claims that they were a savior or a Messiah or something. And the power of the work of the cross is verified by the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.4 Paul said Jesus is declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So he's declared, he's announced, he's proven. The facts of that morning are that some women went to the tomb to apply spices to Jesus' body. They found the stone rolled away and the body missing. Two angels were standing next to the tomb to explain that Jesus has risen Just as he said on the third day, the women ran to tell the disciples and the disciples didn't believe them. It was Peter and John that jumped up to run to the tomb to see it for themselves. Good move at first, right? In John's gospel, he writes that Peter takes off first, but John wants us to know that he ran faster and got to the tomb first. (laughs) I love that about John. Just a side note, I'm a faster runner than Peter. It says there that John got to the tomb. He bent over. He looked into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there. Now, the word for what it says in John's gospel was that he glanced. He kind of didn't look very closely. He just looked. He saw the linen clothes lying there. And what he would have seen was not just flat linen clothes, the, the the strips of cloth that were wrapped around the body would have been first soaked in a solution that would have been wrapped around the body and then hardened, something like a cast. So it would have been easy to glance in and see the shape of a body there, but not realizing the body was not there. When Peter arrived He actually went in and he looked closely. And and that's exactly what you and I do. Some of us glance and some of us look closely. And some people say, oh, I looked. I saw it. I saw what happened. But they don't really know very much because they were in such a hurry. And others of you have taken the time to look closely closely. And you realize, oh, it's not what it just appeared to be. The body is actually missing. We know that the Jewish leaders knew that Jesus said he would rise. They didn't believe he would rise, but they knew he said he was going to rise. And in their mind, they then asked the Roman officials to put guards on the tomb because they thought, oh, the disciples are going to steal the body to help fabricate this story of the resurrection of their teacher. And they even bribed the Roman guards stationed at the tomb to say that the disciples stole the body. Did you know this? Conspiracies and fake news have been going on a long time. Critics have come up with other theories. Do you want to hear some of the other theories? Do you want to hear the theory? I heard somebody said, sure. Okay. They were speaking for the class, so you're all getting them. There's the swoon theory. That Jesus fainted on the cross, only appeared to be dead, and then he revived in a cool, damp tomb. These are not very smart. Here's the problem. A soldier thrust a spear into Jesus' side, and out from Jesus' side came a mixture of blood with water that mixture of blood and water verified that the pericardial sac surrounding the heart was filled with that mixture of blood and water, which means the heart itself ruptured. So the Roman soldier that that put the spear in Jesus' side did a favor for us, verifying that Jesus was actually dead. There's the twin theory. I love this one. Jesus had an identical twin who was killed on the cross. I don't know. Some smart people came up with this stuff. The problem, Jesus lived in that same small town in that same area his entire life. And that would have meant that his parents would have had to keep the twin a secret all of these years. Okay. Then there's the stolen body theory that the disciples stole the body to perpetuate Jesus teaching the problem with that is the behavior of the disciples don't really fit that they didn't really believe he was going to rise and if he didn't rise and they stole the bible uh, stole the bible stole the body what do you think would have happened whenever the disciples or the apostles started being killed for fabricating this story. You think after one or two of them got killed, the others would have said, okay, you're right, we made it all up. And yet, one after another, they were all martyred for continuing to preach the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, Judas committed suicide for what he had done. And then they tried to kill the apostle John, he wouldn't die. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos number four is the hallucination theory these are good that everybody that they said that they saw the risen Jesus but they all were really having a common hallucination the problem is that there were over 500 witnesses that saw him at one time 1 Corinthians 15 Paul writes, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present but some of them have fallen asleep over 500 eyewitnesses. So 500 people had this hallucination of seeing a risen Jesus. Number five is the wrong tomb theory that the women and disciples went to the wrong tomb and it was empty. Again, These women who went to the tomb that morning, they went to the tomb when Jesus was buried. So they knew the right tomb. And by the way, Roman guards were already stationed there. So I think that was a pretty good giveaway. If Luke was fabricating a story. Okay, I'm going to be non PC. Is that okay? Women would not have been the first ones to the tomb. Because in their culture, women were just not reliable witnesses. I'm sorry. I know you are all, whatever you tell me, I believe you. But in the Jewish culture, the Roman culture, women were not, they were a little bit emotional. I'm just sorry. So here is Luke fabricating an account of the resurrection of Jesus. I know how I'll give this credibility. I'll have women be the first witnesses to the resurrection. No, that's not how you write a story. That's going to, that's going to, you know, get uh, shared on, on the internet. So you realize pretty quickly that the most reasonable account is. The literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Doesn't that make the most sense? Is it impossible? Again, we see a a seed fall to the ground and die and bring forth new life. How does that happen? I don't know. How does a beautiful plant come out of an ugly little bulb? I don't know. And yet there it is it's so reliable we count on it let's go buy the bulbs put them in the ground and we count on it a new life is going to spring forth luke 24 going forward to 46 to 49 jesus says thus it is written now he appears to the, the to the disciples and says thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. It was necessary. Why? To pay for our sin. To break the power of sin over our lives. Now, we still struggle with sin, and sin is essentially defined as falling short. How often do you and I say, I, I want to do better in life, and then we fall short. I want to do better. I want to do better, and we fall short. That's sin. And because it's universal, we say, well, no one's perfect. I love that. That's the same as Romans saying all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's a universal human experience. And yet Jesus' death on the cross changes that. Now, as a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you still struggle with sin. That tendency to fall short. But the major difference is that the punishment for sin has been satisfied. He was a substitute for your punishment for your sin, which is eternal separation from God. Also, what changed is the power of sin over your life. Because you see, before sin ruled you, now you are not ruled by sin unless you cooperate with it unless you are willing to go there. Now we have the availability, the option of calling out to the Lord for help. And we can live above that tendency to always fall short. Even the gospel writers didn't believe that Jesus had risen until they saw the evidence. They didn't believe it. They weren't fabricating Anything. But then you read through the book of Acts, which was Luke's second book. And the entire message of the book of Acts is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.32 says this Jesus Christ God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. You see, everything changes when you look closely and you realize the truth of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do we want to be fanatics and appear as religious, you know, fanatics in our community? We, we like to be a little more balanced. But either Jesus is risen or he hasn't. And in your life, it's important that you look closely. And you see that everything has changed. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to have a water baptism. In about 10 minutes. Pastor Tanner is going to be in here. And I, I elected him to get wet this morning. So you can applaud, for, applaud him. But the very experience of water baptism is to make an impact on our lives of putting away the old life and the beginning of a new life. Romans 6, 4, Paul says, We were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Many of you have already been baptized in water, but that experience of water baptism, maybe when you see these being baptized this morning, you'll remember about the importance of that time you were baptized in water. The word baptized means to immerse. That's why we don't sprinkle, because the word means it's in the name. (laughs) It means to immerse. And to completely immerse someone in water speaks of the grave. It is literally to teach you about putting away the old life. And then coming up out of the water symbolizes resurrection, being raised in newness of life, being raised in newness of life. And so baptism does two things it teaches those who are being baptized about what's happened in their life of putting away the old of beginning the new. And it's also intended to be a public testimony, a public testimony. Those being baptized are saying to everyone, I am now beginning a new life in Jesus Christ. It's not the baptism, the experience of being baptized put into the water and raised up that saves. It is merely a public testimony of something that's already happened in the hearts of those who are being baptized. If you've never been baptized in water, uh, you're welcome to be be baptized this morning and go home wet. Uh, We're okay with that. We have towels, but maybe at another time in the future, when we have another water baptism, you might, you know, step forward and say, I am willing to be baptized in water. But Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. I hope this morning that you have looked closely. Maybe you've heard these other theories and you think, uh, man, that is a radical thing to believe. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ can i be confident to share that with other people and i hope this morning i've given you reasons to be absolutely confident and you might be confident to share this with other people but really what about your own life because you see if he's if he has risen how does this impact your life this morning what does it mean are you living a new life? Has the power of the old life been broken? It's not a new proclamation. I'm going to try harder. It's, it's literally a new dependence and fellowship with Jesus Christ.